0: Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cyberpunk Uncensored, and I am Rob Mulligan. Today's episode is all about my buddy, Derek, a.k.a. DRock, a.k.a. Wisdom. I don't know if you have some more nicknames I can throw out there, but what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good. Good, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, anybody listening that isn't familiar, um, you're, you pretty much founded and run... Uh, data fortress 2020 the website and I didn't
1: found it uh I took it over from a guy named Paul minor back in like 96 97
0: yeah late 90s or whatever but you've been pretty much keeping it going um with content during the the big drought I guess everyone refer <laughs> refers to you know during all this time um which is awesome yeah. but um but before we dive into all that and the importance of your site and everything that you've contributed to the community and, and the, the game um, let's get a little bit into you just so people, you know, get a little bit of background. Um, why don't, you know, take me back to, to little Derek, you know, when he first got into role-playing games and shit like that, you know, like when did you first get into role-playing games? Tell me how you met the, the, you know, the found, the webmaster who started that and how you got into kind of taking it over and getting, you know, you know just give me a little history of you.
1: Okay. Well, uh, it, it's kind of weird. Um, as a kid i would my parents and they would buy me uh, role playing game books like they bought me the uh, dungeons and dragons basic set and you know robotech books and things like that the only that's crazy. The only time i ever actually played a role playing game uh as a child was like in 1984 I played Dungeons and Dragons once, or I got into a Dungeons and Dragons group with my cousin. I didn't care for it at the time, so I, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't play any uh, role-playing games for years after that. But I would still keep getting these role-playing game books for like Christmas and my birthday and things like that. Top Secret, um, just all sorts of stuff. The Marvel superheroes games. Uh, I, I'm not really sure why they kept buying me this stuff because I never played any of it but I sure did love looking through the
0: source books yeah that's crazy uh, that it, it's crazy that your parents were supportive of that and giving you know because especially back then oh yeah um, no it was
1: full on height of you know the satanic panic and all that <laughs> right? shit all my exactly. friends are getting their, their records thrown away in the meantime mom yeah. totally okay with me buying comic books and
0: whatever music I wanted
1: I, I, I had a pretty lucky childhood in that
0: Nice. Yeah, I have a very similar childhood. My parents have always been so supportive and open-minded with stuff like that. So that's very cool. But go on. So
1: the day after I graduated high school, uh, I had a friend who had been attending the Kansas City Art Institute, and he wanted me to come down and play Dungeons & Dragons with him. And I was like, well, I don't really care, but I like hanging out with my friends, so whatever. So... I go down there and they're not playing Dungeons and Dragons instead they're playing this brand new game called Cyberpunk. And I I was unfamiliar with the term. This was in 1990 91 no 1990 like it was just just before 2020 came out and just after like in, in that in between time uh, I guess 2013 came out in 89. Yeah. And then and 2020 came out in 90. Because we had been playing like two or three months when the new edition hit. So... Nice. Anyway. Uh... Lo- uh long story short, it blew me... The- it blew me away. Um, I had been into... I had gotten into anime really early, like 1986 I want to say. Uh... And so I was really familiar with the uh, with the genre, even though I didn't know the name for it. And then f- they present me with this role-playing game that's got all my favorite aspects of Bubblegum Crisis and Appleseed and Xenon, the Heavy Metal Warrior, and then Blade Runner and all this other stuff that I grew up absolutely loving, Logan's Run. And this game encapsulated all that. And it had, a, unlike Dungeons & Dragons, whose rules just seemed really weird and arbitrary to me uh cyberpunk's rules made sense they created a sense of drama everything was dangerous um and that just really appealed to me so that's that's really was cyberpunk that got me into role-playing as a hobby as opposed to just staring at role-playing books and treating them like art books
0: yeah no, that's awesome, and I it's it's funny, I have this pretty much the similar background when it comes to cyberpunk as far as, um, you know, I was playing, but see, I was playing AD&D, the second edition, I, that's what started me off in role-playing games, and I liked it, Ooh. I still love D&D, but um, yeah, when cyberpunk first came out, when I first got into it, which was in 1990, it was when second edition came out is when I first got into it. Uh, my buddy Eric showed it to me, because uh, we were doing D&D at the time, Forgotten Realms, second edition A D and d and he was like, oh, you got to see this, and we started getting into that, and I was like, oh my god, this is just so much more real, and it just felt so much yeah. more real, it, it was just so much more immersive to me, um, I guess, because, you know, it wasn't, you know, dragons and fairies and magic and potions and stuff, yeah, it, it was grounded in r- real life sort of stuff. Exactly,
1: yeah, it felt like something you could relate to, it's
0: yeah and it just was so like you said so dangerous you know and it was just so appealing because of that it was just so gritty and dangerous
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah
0: i mean it's like uh to put it in comic book terms it's
1: it's like reading spider-man after reading you know legion of superheroes there's not a human alive who could relate to legion of superheroes but everybody can relate to spider yeah
0: no, well put um but yeah, so that's what you got you into, uh, you know, role playing games was pretty much Cyberpunk, and that's that was like your all time favorite yeah. and stuff. But how did, you know, the, the you, you get into helping the guy with the site, or how did that transition happen? You, fill me in on all that.
1: Um, okay, I was living in Kansas City when I got into Cyberpunk, um, but my family had moved to Arkansas. Uh, better jobs, less money for rent, just, it was a, Arkansas reminds my mother, reminded my mother of her, of basically her grandparents, or her parents, uh, I'm rambling here, they liked the climate, they liked the uh, atmosphere here, so they moved down here, and I stayed in Kansas City for a while, um, but eventually I got into some financial trouble, and I couldn't, I couldn't afford Kansas City anymore. Kansas City also turned on me like really hard, like the city itself. Like every time I turned around, like I was getting harassed by the police. Um, I don't know. I think they thought because of where I lived and because I keep really weird hours, I think they thought I was a drug dealer when, I mean, that there's nothing that can be further from the truth. Um, But yeah, like every time I was pulling out of my, uh, out of my apartment complex, like, I was getting pulled over and stuff. uh uh-huh. Um, so I just said, fuck it, and came down to Arkansas. And before I moved down here, I had never, I had never, um, uh, I had no connection to the internet. I hadn't, I'd heard of it, but I'd never played with it. And then I moved down here, and I got exposed to it. And the first thing I looked up was Cyberpunk 2020 sites. Nice. Um... And this was, I mean, we're talking way back, like 90, 96. Yeah. And, uh, I had started submitting work to Paul Miner's site, uh, Data Fortress 2020 back in the day. Uh, things like the Appleseed source book and like race cars, 2020, just little things. Yeah. Um, compared to, you know, the source books that I would throw out later. Yeah. Yeah. But, I guess eventually it just got too much for Paul to uh, manage. He was in school, I think, at the time, and he was didn't have time for the hobby. So he just uh, said, "Hey, do you want the site?" And I said, "Absolutely!" And that's that's when it really took off. Nice. Um, this was back in the day where we had like the mega sites, like Super Dan had his thing going, and Mo- Mockeries was still fresh and new, and uh 2k20 uh the Chris Conkle site i mean just huge stuff so i felt surrounded by people who had already inspired me so i was constantly inspired to do bigger and better things
0: yeah yeah no and it's so cool because like you mentioned it's back then which you know isn't that far away really but in internet terms you know this was like the Oh, look,
1: dude! It was the GeoCities fucking era, right, <laughs> Jesus! Right.
0: Exactly, you know, and and like you said, so I, I feel like back then, you know, sites were just more monumental. There, it, there wasn't millions of them out yet that were everywhere in, in every Google search. I mean, that just didn't exist back then. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, in a lot of ways, I actually preferred
1: it back then because they'd have you'd have dedicated websites to stuff, right? As opposed to now, where everything's just you know like a wiki.
0: Oh, exactly. Which, I
1: mean, don't get me wrong. Wikis are cool, but a lot of times they don't give you the full story on something that you're looking for.
0: No, exactly. There's all these, uh, you know, not to be mean, but all these half-assed sites and stuff, you know, and, and it just kind of yeah. clogs the system and doesn't make enough elbow room for the ones that are truly contributing content or passionate about whatever subject that it is, you know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, but I definitely, you know, I've been familiar with your site since probably back when you took it over, because the big part of the site I think that everybody really appreciates is the fact that when Art Talsorian had, you know, the big cyberpunk drought, so to speak, you know, the big gap that happened, um, leading up to now, you know, they're they're finally going to be releasing Red. I'm lucky enough oh, to yeah. have the beta rules, and I I love it. I can't wait for the full stuff to come out. We just did a panel for Albacon. Man, the art in that book is oh. so is so gorgeous. Yeah, I can't I can't wait uh you know to see ex- everything that comes out in the full red cuz even the beta rules that we have um that we were given they, they have none of the lore or art or anything. So I'm st- and none of the extended rules stuff like there's still um on certain pages that'll refer to like, you know, see page XXX or whatever. So I am so excited for that. But there's there's a huge gap. It it feels like, you know, from 2020 to red there is just a time, you know, at the beginning, don't get me wrong. It was uh, a, a plethora of source books. And I love like the Night City one, all the different chromes and stuff. But then, oh, yeah. but, there, but, it then it stopped. You know what I mean? It was just few and far in between. Yeah, There's a mean, lot of fan driven stuff. But that that's where I kind of got into you. actual 2020 source book was uh,
1: 1997, 98. It was a long time ago. Yeah, and then V three hit, and they released some stuff for that,
0: but it wasn't it wasn't well, twenty
1: twenty, and it didn't no, no, no.
0: exactly like that it, was there, but it didn't have the it didn't have the full fan base because it, it just it was too abstract I feel my, from the core you know
1: right my thoughts on V is this exact same path I have on that Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie if they hadn't tried to tie it to to cyberpunk 2020 if they just let it be its own thing completely it probably would have done really well because there's a lot of great concepts in there it's just not something that you know i can believably stretch from cyberpunk 2020 i can't make that connection right and it's not what anybody really wanted they just wanted cyberpunk that felt like cyberpunk um but, I mean, Mike's always about trying new things, so I can't really fault him for that.
0: No doubt. Uh, and you can't, you can't hold back a creative force, a creative mind. You know, like, once you start thinking of ideas and things, you got to put it out. And, like, let's face it, Mike Pondsmith is a genius with creative ideas and stuff. And regardless of how we felt about that, you know, it's appealing to some and it's its own entity. You know, it's its own beast in my mind, you know. but yeah, But I'm definitely a 2020 fan up until now what I'm getting into in red. Um, and I liked it with the red jump start. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." I see, kind of what they're doing. I can't wait to see what the full is. And then, like I, I said, beta has just impressed the the shit out of me, man. It's amazing, and I can't wait to see what the, you know, what it, where it goes beyond that. And it, it should be coming out pretty soon too, which, from what I'm hearing. This panel that we had, they said that they're done with all the editorial stuff. They're just kind of working on, uh, you know, layout and like design stuff yeah. now. So they're, they're they're on the verge, you know, they're getting ready to release. But Back to, you know, what, what a lot of people call like the big drought, you know, after the late nineties, after, you know, the, the, the failing of V3's popularity and stuff, there's just, you know, what is it like 10, 10 to 20 years plus with nothing, you know, no no content, nothing to really fall back on. And I feel like that's where you kind of were.
1: It wasn't completely empty. We had like little tastes of, of things that might pick up, uh, Firestorm Inc. got the license to put out a couple of uh, Cyber Generation books. Yeah. Uh, they were man. I can't find a copy of Sky High Dragon or Mile High Dragon, but I've got Researching Medicine and Generation Gap, and they were they were there. Um, and I I forget the name of the company. I think it was Precis Media or something like that. Um, that put out some little paper miniatures they were they were kind of neat uh I really dug them and then Germany uh, like 2006 i want to say Germany put out that fantastic like uh, translated German cyberpunk 2020 source book and I won a contest to get a copy otherwise I probably never would have actually Got my hands on it, but it, it, it was full color, the new map, I mean it, it was gorgeous, I was hoping that that's would spark a revitalization and we'd get that version yeah. in America, because good lord, I just, I cannot say enough good things about that um, but it never, even that never went anywhere, so yeah uh, the drought was pretty severe and well, we think, had little springs pop up every now and yeah, then. But it wasn't,
0: but no, nothing significant or whatever. I, I'll, yeah, say, I'll definitely say this. I'll say this. The pool of really good GMs that I respect and I work with or I'm friends with or a fan of or however you want to put it. You know, I've got a lot of them um, under this Cyberpunk Uncensored brand. And it started before that even. You know, um, Out of yeah. all of them, I would say like 100% have referred to your site as being a source for content, um, tables, um, just you know, just more cyberpunk during a time when you just couldn't get it. And it kept a lot of GMs going. It kept a lot of players going. And I think that that's, you know, that's what drove me to like, not just being friends with you online. When I saw who you were and what you've done, I was like, Oh shit. Who's, oh man. I, and I saw what you did. And I, you know, was like inviting you to the group and, um, you know, just got, got more friendly and just was kind of showing off all the cyberpunk shit I do to you and sharing some of the stuff you do. Yeah. It's gorgeous. But, but it's like, man, uh, you know, just anyways, a lot of people just, you know, they, they have they've talked about the fact that like you have been, uh, you know, kind of the reason they were able to kind of keep it going and stuff. And if nothing else, I think it also it's important, like, you know, when you're into something that all of a sudden becomes a bit obscure to see some type of like home base or hub that's like keeping the light on, you know, so you're like, oh, fuck. OK, it's OK for me I, to keep going with this.
1: <laughs> you know, I really appreciate that. That's uh, I mean, at the end of the day. I, I I've heard that sentiment before, and I'm I'm always very appreciative uh, appreciative of it. Um, at the end of the day, man, I'm just I I've just been putting out the stuff that I like or that my care, my my campaign is involved in, as a way to you know have it out somewhere and you know share it with people who might enjoy it. And when I find out that people do enjoy it,
0: yeah, man, that makes my day. Yeah, and and anybody that's listening that isn't familiar. Let's go over just some of the things that you know you do with your site and you regular regularly update like I love that you add like you know new location stuff and uh you know character stuff but but maybe give give like a rundown or a little breakdown of you know some of the cool shit that you that you're updating regularly and stuff well i mean honestly i i I feel really bad now or at least ha- have um, have you know over the time, not that you update like every day or things like that, you know what I mean?
1: Well, no, I mean, since my, <laughs> since my, I, I started having health problems about five years ago. Um, and I haven't really been able to do a whole lot of updating. I'm working on stuff. Uh, it just is very slow and very, very few and far between. I yeah. think uh, I just updated the site with some links um and a character sheet for Interlock Unlimited, but beyond that I haven't
0: done anything to the site I think in five years. Yeah. Um But let's take it back at least. To, but but let's take it back at least to like I was saying during all that drought when you were when it was in the heat of um, constant updates. And I know like now, like I said, it's sure. too and far in between and you've been getting back into it and updating some of the stuff. And I think it's ramping up to the red stuff. I'm sure like there's going to be some 2020 and some evolution of maybe what you post and get into. We'll see how that ends up. But take, you know, like I said, take it back to when it was, you know, uh, the, well, the I mean, it started
1: out, it started out with, uh, like I wrote the Appleseed source book, which is just this tiny little thing and the Shiro tech stuff. And I can't can't tell you how many times I've seen people steal that and try and take credit for it. It, It's, (laughs) it's pretty rampant. Um, like just like deleting my name from everything and putting their own. I mean, Oh wow. Yeah. It's (laughs) ridiculous. Uh, but after that I started, uh, I started doing like tech supplements. Um, things like, I mean the autumn blade was, Really, it's just a way for me to post up. Originally, it was just a way for me to post up uh, people's characters in my game. Just say they all work for this one weird organization. But then I started adding, like, because it was an arms-dealing, uh, black market arms-dealing organization primarily, I started throwing out all these weapons and all this gear and stuff. And so I created all these, uh, I created these giant catalogs uh, with Images from just everywhere, anime and obscure comics. Anytime I found an image that was cool, movies, whatever, I take screenshots of stuff. And so everything is every I try and illustrate everything on my side None of, None of it's uh, paid for. Um, I try to give credit whenever possible. Uh, I'm actually fairly fervent about that. But see,
0: I like um, that. I like that style of it where it. it... It hits on, a, like you said, a bunch of different styles, whether it's Japanime or a movie still or like a, whether it's drawn or real, you know, a real photo. Yeah. But I kind of like that collage vibe, like like just as an example, like anybody listening, you want to check out a quick example. Look at the Nomad. I forget whatever the Nomad City when you post. And it's like it's got all these different um, vibed images of people in different like, I don't know, post apocalyptic Nomad style clothing. And it's like drawings and real pictures. And it's like pictures of people partying um i think it like a wasteland uh, event that happens out here in LA and uh about yeah, wasteland weekend yeah yeah and when, and when i look at that page and i kind of look at the nomad stuff it's like oh it totally gives the vibe like you read it and it it's there's something about like that collage vibe in itself yeah. that gives a vibe not just of what the images are it just gives this sort I mean, of weird cyberpunk vibe. I don't know what it is yeah each, I love it
1: <laughs> each image can like tell its own story by itself and I don't see any reason to limit that image to one style or one source like it doesn't make sense to me because my games aren't aren't limited to one source of inspiration they're limited to everything right um, so and when it comes to any type of tech- technology I want to have a picture of that I want to have something that everybody is on the same page is this is what it looks like. This is its size. This is its shape. Um, and from there, you can, you know, use common sense to figure out what you can do with that item. If it's a car, it, does it have something you can grab onto if you're hanging on the hood or something? There you go. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's silly, but it always helps to have everybody on the same page with a visual reference. Um, but, yeah, so from there, I started... Uh, trying to detail things that I didn't think get in, got enough detail in the official source material. Um, like my, my cop source book, the NCBD source book, it, it I mean, P- Protect and Serve is a great source book, but I wanted to like highlight some of the different areas and maybe, you know, put some focus on things that I didn't really feel like they got enough focus on in that source book. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to give a, a feeling of uniformity to it. Because um, the, the art in that book is just really I don't want to say anything bad about it. I mean, it, it's adequate art but it's not it's not to the quality of some of their other source books like Night City uh, or
0: I love the Night City Source. I just did an oh, episode yeah. with uh, Chris Hawk about um, a few weeks back. Yeah. Uh, and he's the artist who did the second edition. Uh, oh book. dude, he's great. He's uh, yeah, a great he, guy. He, he did all the gangs in the Night City Source book like the Bozos, like he's the guy who drew all that, you know. He did the four oh, yeah, no. horsemen yeah. right on the inner cover of 2020 like uh, yeah, yeah yeah if you haven't listened there was check, an image out, he check out and, and anybody listening was... if you haven't se- heard that episode check that out too when you're done with this one there's some really cool stuff. But Yeah yeah go on. He used to run Interface Magazine. Right. Uh, I don't know if you if you covered that, but I'm sure you did. Yeah, no, he, um, he mentioned it. We talked about that for a second.
1: As one of the pieces he did, he contribute art to there obviously as well. But in one of the – as just as like this side little piece of art, he's got this this full conversion cyborg with like this bouquet of wires. And but baby, I got a seduction of like plus eight. And it's just, I, it's my favorite image of his. Nice. Like, I, I never let him live it down. I actually called him in like 93 because his phone number was in the back of one of those interfaces. Really? And I was like, well, out. I had like a two-hour conversation with him. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, after that, I started doing uh, like the conflict source books for Africa and South America. And the Nomad source books detailing, like, the Nomad market. Um, And then its follow-up, Dust in the Wind, which covered the Nomad movement as a whole. Uh, And I think my most recent, like, large project like that was the uh, district guide for uh, the combat zone. Eventually, the plan is or was to have an entry for each one of those, each area of the, my giant district map thing that I put out. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now I'm working on, on another section. It's not a very large session, but it's, it's getting there. I, I'm hoping that I can put that out before red comes out.
0: Oh yeah. Um, so I'm still working it's just slow go yeah yeah no and totally understandable too you know as as we get older and we start adulting you know we have a little less time uh you know like we said it's few and far in between that you can dive into so many updates and things but that still it, you know doesn't Dilute the efforts and the, the worth of what you have done with that site and all your contributions over time. And like I said, what it's done for so many GMs and players during a time when, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been playing anymore if it wasn't for at least having your site, you know? And I have heard that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. No, and I um, definitely reference to I, it I, myself. I, I, I think it's been a while since
1: I actually paid attention, but I think. I've done like nine or ten like large source books um, worth of material like if they were published they would be like you know an actual source book size bit of material nice Uh, originally I think originally I tried to sell uh, Sorian on the idea of publishing uh, the first conflict source book um I spoke to Lisa a couple of times about that and it just I don't know, it never really went anywhere. I'm I know they were super busy at the time. I know Mike was I'm pretty sure Mike had already started working at Microsoft and Artal just wasn't really putting much out plus uh they were getting ready to put out V3 so I don't think they wanted to push back on any 2020 style stuff right um that was the only time i ever tried to get any of this published um i don't know i i'm not perhaps as motivated as i should be but i like
0: uh i like putting the material out i like people i like hearing that people enjoy it um well, I think that's the big part of it. I think maybe you've underestimated the worth in it all, and just how much people have been to the site and used the things that you've created and compiled and, and put out there. Um, I that's think, entire, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, definitely uh, finish what you started. If if you're in the middle of some updates, <laughs> people will appreciate it and love it. And uh, yeah, you. Know, I'm we, also yeah. We're promoting. I'm it running a campaign link, please, right
1: so. now. Oh, sorry, sorry.
0: No, not at all. I was just saying, you know, and we, and we promote it, you know, other people uh, like to share it too. We've got you linked through the Cyberpunk Uncensored site and stuff like, uh, I think even through, yeah. I think it, it's it, like, you know, it's got that, that place in history. I think just like in any new versions, people are still going to like 2020. There's still going to be that need, you know, and that resource. And it's still going to be, uh, you know, if nothing else, you, you could stop updating it today and it'll still be a, a chunk of uh, cyberpunk history, you know you know what I mean? It'll still be something I think people will be like, Oh shit. Yeah. That's, I remember that. You know? Um, that's cool. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've
1: gotten some criticism and I, I've got a shit self-esteem. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I've gotten some criticism about the, you know, the, the way the site looks, it looks because it's, it's stayed roughly like the way it, it it's design has stayed roughly the same since, since the nineties. And some people have been all like, well, maybe he's doing that on purpose. Maybe he's just trying to give it that, you know, nineties aesthetic because it ties into the cyber. But the truth is, is I don't know shit about like HTML or anything like that. I just, I, I, I try and do, make it work. And if it works, I leave it alone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, just like you know, you're gonna find numerous uh, uh, grammatical errors. Um, it's not because I can't spell; it's because I can't spell check. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just horrible about that, and I'm kind of lazy. Once I get it out, once I get something done, I'll give it the once over, catch what I can, and then put it out. So. Yeah. I apologize. No, it's so if hard were...
0: it's so hard to spell check yourself too. Like, you know, if you write yeah. something and then you read it, it it's so hard to catch anything that that you've done, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, cuz you just tend to skip over like I know this yeah. stuff.
0: I'm reading it again.
1: Um yeah, I, it's if I were getting if I were had any hope at all of trying to get paid for it, but I don't. I don't want to get paid for it really. Um as long as i can keep the site up and going that's
0: all i need oh yeah but uh yeah well cuz i think you know first and foremost you're a fan like you said it before like cyberpunk is what got you into role playing you didn't care for dungeons and dragons which is crazy that's like the godfather of role playing a lot of people started there but you didn't care for it and then cyberpunk you know turned you on to it and i think that's pretty cool and I think that's evident when you say stuff like that where you're like, you know, you're not trying to monetize it. You're just happy to be able to keep it going. If you can get back into more time to update things, you're definitely going to do it. But I think, you know, it's you're a fan and it shows. And I think that's yeah. really cool, you know. But I mean, I have dedicated so much of my time and life to, to this game and this genre
1: that it's weird for me to even think about doing other stuff. Like somebody asked me if I was going to like start writing for uh red material and like advance everything to that and i'm like you know i i don't know i've been playing this game i've been playing the same campaign for almost 30 years now uh well not the same campaign but you know in the same world in the world that i've created uh and i've been writing all this material for this stuff for this long i don't know that it would be possible for me to switch over everything and Like, I I like what I've seen of Red, but, um, rules wise, I'll get, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Red has to offer and seeing, you know, how I can make that work with Interlock Unlimited, uh, the rewrite of the original Cyberpunk rules I did with, uh, the help of the people from the View from the Edge forums, um, I'm interested to see if I can make those two things work well together. I, I'm not yeah. anticipating any real problems. I mean, it was meant right. to be compatible with both interlock and fusion, but no, and I, I haven't I, seen the rules and
0: yeah. And I know what you mean too, by, uh, you know, you, you've created this world, you know, regardless of the rules set it's based on, you've built this world from 2020 yeah. and all this content you've contributed to this world to give it design, to give it detail and you know it's, like you said it's been going on 30 years you know it's hard to make that jump and make a different world and I totally understand that and I kind of want to get into that just just a bit is the fact that you know you obviously you GM more than you play is that right?
1: Oh yeah oh my god yes
0: yeah so you no, been... I didn't I didn't have
1: I didn't get to play in Cyberpunk until like 2006 2007
0: up until that point i had only ever gm'd by choice or just not knowing other gms or how did that what um nobody else wanted to run cyberpunk 2020 and if they did they
1: i don't know they never brought it to my attention (laughs) so Uh. (laughs) it was just me running the game i mean people wanted to play in it yeah uh constantly but nobody wanted to run it that's
0: funny and um Then one day my friend Brandon was like, I'll run it. I was like, fuck yeah. Pardon my language. Hell yeah. No problem. I don't know what kind of... Yeah, this is Cyberpunk Uncensored, so you can get away with that. Oh, okay. Well, I've been trying very hard (laughs) not to curse. Oh, it's all good. Kind of like Ice Cube in... uh anaconda and it's (laughs) gotten quite mentally painful for me (laughs) no see i I purposely made sure it was cyberpunk uncensored is the brand under all the things i do whether it's the live gameplay the gm tips or the podcast or whatever because i know once i get into it i get passionate and i start fucking cussing and i get all amped up and i just i would rather just be passionate and be myself with it and not worry about that shit you know what i mean and 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 also also with the gameplay like i feel like cyberpunk you can't you can't Nerf you can't it up and hold cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, you cyberpunk. can't like like it, for it to be cyberpunk, you need to, I don't know, cuss and describe some gory things sometimes, and I don't know, like it just needs to be adult. <laughs> yeah, Fine yeah. red mist. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but so the fact that you do, G, you know, you've GM'd way more than playing. You know, obviously you got to play. That's awesome. But, GMing more, I wanted to get into a sort of game master issue that happens in cyberpunk. It's very common. It happens all the time. I think I mentioned it to you before. And I'm going to be Mm -hmm. doing a a Game Master Tips episode coming up on the YouTube and Twitch channel uh, where I do these uh, GM Tips episodes. They're usually short and sweet. And I go over different topics. And I'm going to kind of summarize this. But I wanted to, I don't know, talk to you about it and elaborate more on it because I think it deserves a little more talk than just a quick Game Master Tips. And the, the, the subject is... Uh, dealing in cyberpunk dealing with the whole armor versus arms race that tends to happen which is anybody listening that's not familiar um it's you know cyberpunk because it's dangerous it has all these weapons all this armor all these cybernetics just so many options of things that help you with skills and stats and your sp and your hp and all this well not 2020 i'm referring hp as in red but my point is you know a player might end up getting skin weave and layering armor and then taking boosters. And then they've got all these weapons and it's armor piercing rounds (laughs) And before you know, it, uh, you know, normal weapons just aren't doing damage to them. You know, it becomes this sort of this, this more arms, more armor, more arms, more armor. And before you know it, you know, the, you're only fighting them with like grenade launchers and Borgs, and like, you know what I mean. So like, it's I ju- know it comes- exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, it happens all the time, and I've got certain techniques that I, I know I like to implement and kind of, you know, work a player and kind of compete with that or fix those sort of issues that happens. I will say that Red is just inherently built to kind of handle that sort of shit, which I'm really appreciative of. Uh, they 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 very much so limit. Uh, layering and skin weave Man, versus regular armor red. and all kinds of stuff like that. like They, they, they kind of help uh, that issue in red. But it could still happen if you're not careful, and it definitely happens in 2020. But I'd love to get your opinion. Just run at the mouth on this subject if you would. <laughs>
1: all right. All right. It, ha- it, it, it does present itself as a problem, especially to inexperienced GMs uh over the years i've there are two ways i I've, I've come accustomed to dealing with it the first is is through attitude and communication cyberpunk has you can play cyberpunk on a variety of different levels from like low level nothing gutter punks uh just trying to scrounge for like that next little morsel to eat that sewer encrusted just tic-tac somebody dropped oh i gotta have it and that's that's as powerful as your game gets yeah and then there's you know i've run like super espionage people are running around in powered armor and there are full conversions in the uh, full borgs in the game and you can make it work but everybody has to be on the same page as to what's going on um you can't have like five guys who want to run gutter punks And then another dude who's trying to get the biggest, baddest power armor or not even power armor, just the biggest, baddest armor and the biggest gun. It doesn't work. So what you have to what you have to make absolutely clear to them is to your players is, you know, you can get these big guns. You can get the big armor. Uh, You can make yourself a walking tank. But the problem with that is, is if you do it,
0: the enemies are going to do
1: it. Um, yeah,
0: and that's definitely not. It's funny you bring that up. That's definitely like kind of the number one, uh, you know, way it's dealt with, or at least, uh, what kind of naturally happens because you have to do it in order to play the game at that point, you know, like, and like yeah. you said, you got to explain that to the player. And I think it was even referred to in the, um, listen up primitive Screwheads book or whatever in the Mike Pondsmith tips where he talks about, it's called mirroring, I guess to mirror. Yeah. Uh, uh, You send, you know,
1: a mirror image of your guys after them as enemies. (laughs) You make it clear that it doesn't matter what guns they get, how big, how big of badasses they are. I can always pull out
0: somebody badder. I can always pull out people with guns that are bigger. Um, And it's so true, you know, in life, like, you know, well, at least in like, this war sense and in cyberpunk you know like the caliber of what of which you put out is the caliber you're going to attract you know if you're a badass just cleaning the streets with weak people and stuff obviously other badasses are going to take notice and try to take you out or take yeah that, i mean it, if you're running around
1: in armored i'm sorry no,
0: i just said it just makes sense yeah
1: yeah if you're running around in armored vehicles The enemy's going to get wind of that. They're going to be all like, okay, well, we'll pull out a tank, or we'll pull out, like, an AV-9 and just destroy you. But it doesn't have to come to that. It never has to come to that as long as people are on the same page, as long as they're communicating. Um, And I don't care if the characters, like, there's nothing wrong with characters getting a big gun, but they can't just walk around the street with it. They can't. Like, that doesn't happen. I think that's a good um, point to
0: make because that's one of the things in the, in the tips episode I bring up in a couple different ways, and I like how you just kind of worded it, but I'll usually, you know, add some limitations. You know, you're the game master. Just put some limitations, and it doesn't have to be like gaming limitations but in-game limitations like you said like okay you have all the badass weapons but you know what like going into certain clubs and restaurants and parts of town like you're just going to get arrested or harassed or it's just not going to work you know like you can have a full suit of metal gear or like a kevlar
1: bodysuit whatever but you can't wear that all the time you can't walk down the street with that in the middle of the summer without just like sweating your ass off and dying from eat frustration. Yeah. You can't you can't go into a club wearing a bunch of armor. They're not going to let you in. They're going to take one look at you and be like, "Oh, you're 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 going to cause trouble. Get out."
0: Yeah.
1: Um uh, police when you walk down the street, they're going to follow you everywhere you go. Uh there's a lot of weird hyperbole in the cyberpunk books that it's hard to disseminate the the hyperbole from the actual like meat fluff. Um like, I, in the Cyberpunk 2020 book, they talk about, there's like a blurb where they talk about, well, all the birds have died off and the oceans are all acid and shit like that. Like, that's yeah. not real. That's not, you see birds on the cover art of some of the books, and it's, that's not how it happens. It's just hyperbole. They're just saying the world is really right. bad and messed up. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people want to take that literally, and they do that with the weapons. Like, everybody's walking around with a gun on their hip all the time, and everybody sees it. Like, it doesn't work. I mean, right. it causes problems.
0: I'm definitely a fan of, of pressing a more real world in that sense like you just described. Like, in my games, I love to have it to where, you know, if you're going in certain situations, like, you're not wearing your combat gear. You're not wearing your armor. You know, you're putting on, yeah. your, the girls are putting on a dress and the guys are putting on a suit or something or, you know what I mean? Or like, I don't know. It, and, and like you said, I think a good point. Um, I did a, a episode with uh, my buddy Phil McCracken, who's a big 2020 fan. He's a fan of your site as well. You might. Yeah, we've been mind. friends a while now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he mentioned the same thing like you mentioned about, uh, you know, weather is a huge component. He likes to kind of drop on players if they're pushing too hard with, like, wearing the armor and things everywhere. Like, dude, you're dehydrating. Like, you just can't wear that during the summer. You just hit a heat wave in Night City, and, like, you're just not... You just can't. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of cool, is, like like you put it, just think of limitations, you know, and kind of work that not on the player, but into the game, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, just common sense will tell you what you can get away with and what you want. I mean, if your characters are going to... Like, do an actual raid on an enemy stronghold? Sure, let them gear up with all their best crap. Let them just run roughshod over them if, if they are are planning their thing right. Like, don't don't be afraid of that. Right. But also impose that, you know, they can't just walk around like that all the time.
0: No, exactly. I think now, that's, a, that's a good point, too, is you don't want to hold the players back from having the most fun that they can have. And, you know, there, there is such right. thing as people becoming badasses in the world, you know, like they can be like that, but, but like you said, drop in some limitations, make it a little more real. Like they can, they can be like that, but it's just not like that 24 seven, you know,
1: there's this weird trend in cyberpunk among GMs and all that, where, you know, they think that every job should pay crap and every employer should betray them. And, I can't get behind that. I've never been right. able to get behind that idea. Because if, if the employer is betraying the people they've hired, nobody's ever going to work for them again. Like, the word right. will get out. Exactly. Um, like, your word is your bond in that world. So, yeah. I mean, sure. And they'll then they'll steal their character's stashes just to keep them all underpowered. And you don't see that in any other game. Like, you don't see Dungeon Masters and D&D, um, like, just screwing their players over and stealing all their crap just because right. they can.
0: It only happens in Cyberpunk and I've never right. understood that well, mindset. I think for me anyways, I think like that that to me is a bit of a last resort to railroad it down to that point, but it is kind of sure. an answer if the armor versus arms race gets out of hand and you you just don't know how to kind of tone it back or tactfully bring it back to a, a, a more balanced game and you're a new GM or whatever. That is something that you can kind of do is, you know, drop a critical injury that loses like, you know, uh, some, some of the cybernetic weapon arms or things, you know, sure. have a, uh, uh, you know, avoid some of that stuff maybe, or force it like police finding them or taking it from them because it's illegal installs or weapons or, Something along those lines, or like you said, you know, they, they get it stolen from them or a bomb goes off near them or something. Like, you can damage their stuff. But to me, that's always a last resort because, like you said, it almost feels like at that point you're just being mean to the player. But I do see that. Exactly. But I can see the other side of that coin where, you know, it might be kind of, like I said, a last resort for a GM that has tried every other thing and their players are just... Murder hobo in it and getting every weapon and layering up every fucking armor and they don't care they're yeah walking, you know they're walking turtle speed down the street just covered in armor and weapons, and they're just you know running shop and it's just really difficult and like maybe sometimes you do gotta strip them down a little tactfully, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, I can see that um I just I try to avoid the adversarial gm uh, as much as possible, but we're digressing with this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I said that the other way to control the arms race was mechanically, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp uh, Interlock Unlimited again here. Yeah. Um, how we handled that uh, mechanically is we instituted rules that any hit on armor, as long as it does at least, as long as the damage is at least fifty percent of that armor's SP value, its stopping power. Uh, it degrades that armor. Yeah, and armor that exceeds it degrades it even further. So it used to be like nine millimeter handguns; they weren't a threat to anybody with even like medium armor. Like you just ignored it. But now those nine millimeter handguns—they may not do much on the first shot, but after the third or fourth, they're right. suddenly you're in trouble.
0: No, and see, I, I did um, that if, same homebrew to my 2020 red hybrid campaign that i was running I, some of those videos are still on the channel but um where you know if you were hit if it was a hit you would at least take one point of damage and you would drop one sp uh ablation due to uh you know just that that thud that that brute force of it hitting when it yeah. hits there you know i mean so like so, yeah integrated. so even at the smallest little one shot or whatever would still at least you know chip away and chip away. And like you said, after three or four of them, before you know it, like, damn it, my arm is not working so well. Now those little shots yeah, are starting suddenly, to actually hurt. Suddenly those, uh, those, you know, nine
1: millimeter submachine guns are fucking deadly. Yep. Um, I had a SWAT character who carried a, not one of the people who was playing, uh, in a cop campaign, they carried around a nine millimeter, uh, minigun, And man, you did not want that thing pointed at you anymore. Uh, whereas, you know, in original rules, you would just laugh at that, like what? Yeah. Um, suddenly, you're not laughing, and the higher round handguns or even the rifles, suddenly they are just utterly devastating again. Oh yeah. Even even with high armor. Um, so there's that. You you make you make combat deadly again, regardless of how big the guns are or how small the
0: guns are. Make it deadly. Yeah. So aside from uh, we also you know, sorry to cut you off, but as, so aside from like the limitations that a GM might be able to implement into the game, like we talked about, or or mirroring the caliber of player with the right caliber of enemies and NPCs and such, you know, you can also homebrew some stuff. Don't be scared, uh, you know, GMs to do like you know any of the methods we just mentioned, you know, ablate, the, absolutely yeah, ablate the armor a little bit, add at least a point of damage for, you know, at least a hit just from brute force, the bullet hitting the vest and hit, you know, putting a bruise on the person's chest or whatever. You know, you can, you can think of ways to, I don't know, bring, bring that it's superhero player a little, little closer back to reality, a little well, gro- more grounded. Here's uh
1: you know. here's an unpopular opinion, at least as far as, you know, most, most, RPG players go and for me Cool and common sense are gonna trump rules every time if what you want to do sounds like it would work Even if I can't find rules to back it up I'll, I'll, I'll figure out some way to make that work um, Like there are no rules like, there are rules in the game for headshots doing double damage But there's no rules for like groin shots doing double damage and there should be right because I know every time I've ever been hit even slightly in the groin, I'm out of the fight. Uh, the fight's done.
0: Yeah, you yeah. win, no, no, I'm done. Yeah, and imagine a bullet through a testicle, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I, you know, poke out your eyeball in a fist fight, that's going to have severe effects. It's not just roll some damage and, you know, ignore, like, the actual ramifications of what's happening. Like, make room for that. Yeah. It's the rules are there for when you can't find another when you when you can't figure out the solution on your own. Um, the more you know the rules, the more solutions you'll be prepared for. But you shouldn't get dog. You shouldn't get dogmatic about the rules. Um, there, there is a guideline, not as you know something that absolutely must be adhered to at all times. And a lot of people, they want to adhere to those rules and they'll look at something that I've done like interlock unlimited or like a GURPS game or something. And they'll look at those rules and be like, Oh my God, that's too many rules. But you don't use those rules all the time. Hell, you don't ever have to use any of the rules. If you don't want to, it's all optional. No matter what game you're playing, you can just opt out of whatever thing is happening. If it doesn't make sense in the context of what's going on. Right. Or if it just doesn't make sense for your game. I mean, so mechanically, you can prevent the arms race through common-sense rules adjudication.
0: Yeah, I think that's well put. I think that, you know, and, and it hits it from, you know, a, com- a a completely different angle that maybe most, especially, well, new GMs might not think of because, you know, a lot do just stick with the rules. And I think that... It, The point of that being more of a guideline is important to be made because, especially with Cyberpunk, it's, you know, almost explained in the rules. And GMs should definitely take notice to that, you know, even when they're talking about, you know, the parts of City or the way that that the responses might be handled to certain levels of damage and things like it. It'll it'll say right in it, you know, uh, but this is open to interpretation, or, you know, put your own flavor on it, or feel free to make up even more, you know, like, uh, my favorite reference to that is, like, when it talks about the gangs of Night City in that source book, and it's like, you know, yeah, we, we we name all of them, and everybody's got a part of town, but, you know, feel free to add more, this is Night City, and there's as many gangs as you can think of, you know, so it's definitely so much like that in Cyberpunk, to where, you know, if, if a GM is stuck, and they can't get out of that armor arms race and the players just aren't cooperating you're dropping limitations you're trying to mirror things and it's just getting out of hand and the the game is not balanced and it's not fun then yeah don't be scared to homebrew bend the rules a little you know dropping your own rules that do make sense to that situation to bring it back to balance you know absolutely yeah that's Uh, a great point i I mean the game of this for everyone to have fun and Exactly. I was just going to say, though, yeah, it's, it's definitely about fun. H- how often have you run into that problem? Like you said, you know, it's okay if you're, you're talking to the players about it and it's predetermined like, hey, we're, we're all going to just try to be as badass as we can. We're just going to be a, an elite solo squatter. Then you know about it. But how many times have you run into it over the years of playing and GMing where it just has kind of naturally happened? You know, that problem is just building and building. They keep layering up armor. They're buying more armor, they're more badass I... weapons, and it starts becoming a problem. How, how, how have you ever run into that?
1: When I started out GMing, I used to run into that. But that was when I was making the same mistakes that all GMs make. Um, I mean, back in the early days, I was guilty of, like, Mary Sue characters and uh, trying to insert, you know, my own personal character who was super badass in with the players, and it was embarrassing. Or, you know, I I took uh, adversarial stances to some things. And I would let the arms race get out of control, but we're talking eh, this a long, long time ago, and I haven't had a problem with it in at least twenty years. Mostly because I'm very, I'm very openly communicative with my players. Um, I'm very hands-on with character creation, and I, I talk to them frequently about where they want their character to go, and you know what they see as their character's potential. And I think that's important as a GM. If you're all hands off with it, it becomes right. a very impersonal experience running the game. Um, and, and some people prefer that. Some people are like, you know, just roll up a character and go, and that's their style of gaming. But it's, it's never been mine. Um, just like I don't do like one-shot games. Um, so I like convention gaming is not something I've ever been able to wrap my head around. Uh I run like long campaigns some of them last years.
0: yeah, uh, see, I'm a fan of that. I definitely like to I think it's more immersive that way. You get more attached. It, it just I don't know, you have it puts more worth into the game itself and your character, I feel. Like I'm Exactly. I I, I can watch and listen to one shots. I still enjoy gameplay um in any form, but definitely myself playing or GMing. And I haven't uh, played in a while now, but uh yeah, I'm definitely more of a fan of an ongoing campaign and watching that character, those characters grow. You know, absolutely. Um, I get inv- as invested in
1: characters as the people playing them do. Um, yeah. Like I'm not out to like slap players down. Now I'm the. I mean the the dice rolls are going to be the dice rolls. Right. Um, if they get their characters killed, that's that's on them. But I'm not out to do that. I'm not out to screw the characters over. I'm out to tell this story, and for everyone to have a good time doing it. Um, and I've never had—I've never had any real complaints with that. Um, nice.
0: No, I think. And that's... I've never.
1: Sorry, uh, I've never had. The arm. I haven't had the arms race problem in so long that it's really not much of an issue for me anymore. I hear people talk about it, but I'm just like, why aren't you just talking to your players and getting right. everybody on the same page?
0: Like, right.
1: you no, got this. Uh, say-
0: Go ahead. No, I was going to say the same thing for me. I haven't personally experienced that issue since probably like the mid '90s, like the beginning, sta- early '90s. You know, the beginning stages of yeah. playing with my friends in the high school. Uh, friends playing with me and, and like uh, it just it it was just uh, immature or naive or just ignorant to you know being a good GM or whoever yeah you know, my buddy Eric I think he was like our first GM and getting it going and uh, you know you're for lack of words you know you're a kid you're a young teenager or t- you know mid tween teen depending on how old you are now and where you were then but <laughs> but you know it it, it it's it wasn't dealt with as well I think now. Like, I I wouldn't run into that problem because as a good GM and as most GMs know, you know, you you have all these options. You have all these options to kind of control the game without it feeling too contrived or controlled. And if you're good at it, you're tactful and you rely heavier on the story and the role playing and you pull it away from some of those unbalanced, you know, sessions and stuff, you can control it in such a way where it's, it's not, or at least it doesn't feel controlled. You know what I mean? You can be tactful, exactly. But I think, uh, uh, but I think you brought up like more than a handful of great ways. You know, any GM's listening, uh, you know, rewind, listen again, take some notes. <laughs> you know, but I think you you brought up a lot of great points that I think will help people that are maybe new to it or stuck in that sort of uh, race. You know. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to communication. I mean, that it's a
1: game based around communicating with each other.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's a good point to be made, too, in itself, is that, you know, if a, if you're a new GM or even an experienced GM and you're having trouble with this issue in your game, um, and like I said, Red, I don't think is going to have much of that trouble. It's just such a different uh, world, and it's just set up in such a way. I think that it's it they've... They've fixed that within what they're doing, and I think it's great. But hmm. anybody going through it— I very much look it, forward to seeing how they've done that. Yeah. And uh, in anybody having it, though, it, it doesn't just have to be within gameplay and work in limitations or, or a mirror or you know enforcing crit injuries or a change in story or the way it works or homebrewing. You can also do, uh, like Derek said, take it out of game after the session's op- over— you know, maybe whatever player's doing that or if it's a mall, you know, just have that moment. Hey, guys, you know, I've I've noticed this is kind of what's been going on. And, you know, it's just making the game just, you know, nonstop combat and an issue for me just to give you something that's challenging when it comes to that. And we've, we've got to kind of tone it down a little. We've got to fix some things. And this is how it's going to work now. And here's something that I wasn't doing before, but I'm going to start implementing in certain parts of town are going to be a little more strict on this and that. And, you know, if you haven't been doing some of the, the tips we've mentioned, you can easily have that conversation with the players and just say, look, this is what I'm doing now and make that change and talk to, talk to the players, not the characters, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. You know, it's, it's going to sound like I'm bagging on uh
1: dungeons and dragons. I'm not, but I noticed that how dare a dare lot of those issues come from people who come from more traditional gaming, uh, dungeons and dragons, um, things like that. Or for, uh, Well, yeah. And they have this, you know, they have this preconceived notion of what gaming is supposed to be. It's, it's gain levels. So you get hit points and you get bigger and badder. And for that, you need the biggest weapons and you need the best spells and you need blah, 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 all these magic items. And they come into Cyberpunk and they think it's going to be like that. And it's, it's not, um, Cyberpunk 2020, when it came out was so revolutionary, different from everything else that was around, that it it blew a lot of those it it blew a lot of people's minds who were used to more traditional gaming Um, and I think that had a lot to do with it and that's why I don't see it as much nowadays Um, even D&D is kind of like they haven't necessarily moved away from that but they've gotten a little bit more streamlined
0: yeah yeah Uh, 5th edition definitely streamlined a bit
1: 5th edition is is playable. I, I like 5th edition. Now, granted, I only like 5th edition because D&D Beyond is like the greatest role-playing program I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't know if you've played with D&D Beyond, but it makes D&D fun. Nice. And I'm not a guy who typically enjoys Dungeons & Dragons, but, man, yeah. it just does all the work for
0: you. No, but I, de- I definitely think you're, you're on to a little something there with, You know, people that come from that D and D background, they step in a cyberpunk. It it can definitely, um, I don't know, they can definitely take that route of the armor versus arms race and just kind of beefing up and going because they come in with that sort of D and D mentality where it's like. See a horde of goblins. Attack. See a, see a bunch of over here. Attack. See a dragon. Yeah, we got to attack it. To... Everything you see, you attack and you collect everything. You attack them. What do they have on? Them? Take everything. Take all the weapons. All the armor. Take everything. What's in the room? Take it. Search. Take. <laughs> like, you know, it becomes this. Yeah. I've, I've I've got this bag of holding. I'm putting everything in there. I've got everything I've ever seen and found. I'm gonna go sell it at the next town and keep moving. And cyberpunks. just Oh yeah, different. and at
1: the same time, you know, they can take all the damage in the world as long as they got that one freaking hit point left. They feel no effects from it whatsoever.
0: Right, and no, exactly, and they've got spells and Good potions. lord! You know, it's it's definitely um, different, and I that's think, what
1: kept me from playing Dungeons and Dragons. It Was like, yeah, I just took an axe blow to the chest, and you're telling me I feel fine? No, <laughs> that doesn't work for me.
0: No, see, or I, they tell
1: me that it's the, all the combat is actually abstracted, and in the meantime, I'm I'm dodging and
0: weaving and all this. I'm like, that doesn't work for me either. Yeah, no, for me, see, I still love D and love Fifth Edition, and started on on. A D and D, but I, I like it, you know, over to one side. That's where my fantasy role playing is when I want to get into that. But my cyberpunk I like to keep separate. That's why I never got into Shadowrun Run either. I think they stepped onto the uh, toes of each other. And I don't like that. I like my fantasy over there and my 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 future yeah. dark dystopian future over here. And you, you know what I mean? But um but I definitely I mean I like I like chocolate with my peanut butter, but I right. don't want mayonnaise <laughs> with my ice cream. Right, right, exactly. And um and I think that I think there's something to that Uh, you know, where I think, you know, you you mentioned it, and I think that's where some of that, that gameplay mentality or style comes from that can kind of not um, flow with cyberpunk so well or uh, balance so well. And it can, it can cause a few speed bumps or issues or things. And that's why, you know, GMs need to hear the tips and things that we went over in this episode. And that's why it's a good subject to go over because it can happen. You know, it, for people like us it hasn't happened in forever but let's not forget that <clears throat> you know there could be a new GM that just picked up cyberpunk red jumpstart kit today you know sure or they or they're, they're into the video game that comes out uh, in a couple months and then they're like oh wait there's a tabletop version and then they backtrack and they go and get 2020 or they get red yeah red. I mean on the on the yeah, yeah. forums and Facebook groups we see
1: that every day that yeah like people wandering into the cyberpunk 2020 groups coming from the video game and they're like, "What is this? What are you? What are you guys talking about?" And they get right. into it, and they buy the book, and
0: they're like, "Can you guys teach me how to play this?" And I'm like, "Well, we can. We can try." <laughs> exactly, and so that's why I think it's it's important to go over stuff like this, is because even though, um, you know, it isn't it isn't an experienced problem, if that makes sense, you know, or a, a long term problem, yeah. if because you know you are going to get more and more experience as a GM, and you're going to deal with curveballs and things and issues and unbalanced things that could happen and come your way as you grow and learn and know and get more experience. But <clears throat> it is something that that happens more often than not in Cyberpunk to new jams and in new games and when you first get going. And especially if you're coming from, like you said, a and d background or a background where you're just uh, you know, going hard like that. Sometimes I think maybe the video game side could kind of press that too. Um, we, oh, yeah. we'll probably start seeing that as this happens because of the 2077, but I could see it happening just like from D and D people coming in and just treating it like special move, special move, go, 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 you know? And like, I don't know, uh, uh, cause even, I mean, even an I'm open sure world we've... video game has some limitations and, and in tabletop, it's oh, completely yeah. open world, you know? I mean, I'm sure with GMs who are coming from a Dungeons
1: and Dragons background, the problem is very prevalent there too, because they're going to because they're coming from that mindset, and they're going to promote that mindset, because um, it takes it takes some actual experience with Cyberpunk to really get Cyber. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I mean the interlock system as well. Like you could also be playing Mecton or Teenagers from Outer Space, uh, carry it over to Fusion, and you you've got all those games um it's a different system than what people are used to and it definitely takes a while to get you know your head wrapped around that yeah. um
0: i'm not trying to sound like pretentious or anything like that it's just no not at all i think it's all it, it's it's factual it is exactly how yeah. the game is and i think that's why so many people love it and that's why it's so different than you know D &D and other systems that are out there that i can still appreciate and like but i think that's why i'm so attracted to cyberpunk is all these things we've brought up you know i think that's what makes cyberpunk cyberpunk and what makes it so gritty and dangerous and um, and detailed and founded in that reality and has so much potential to be even more dangerous than it is if you're not a careful gm or experienced you know Uh, another problem is
1: gaming as a whole is the trend right now is moving towards these overly simplified systems. I mean, that's what people seem to like right now. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm an old guy and Uh-oh. it's hard to teach me new tricks. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I know what you I, mean I, though. I can't...
0: It, it, it dumbs it down to the point where it almost lacks, uh, uh, immersion or immersive qualities to me because yeah. it doesn't have enough, That feels like it makes sense. And let me assure you, that's one of the things I love about Red. And I only have, you know, the beta core rules. It's even going to be more than that when it officially comes out from what I've heard and what we went over just the other day on the panel. And that's one of the things I love about it is that no matter how much I dissect what they've done to streamline the rules and kind of tone down the crunchiness, it makes sense. It's like the way that they've built some of the charts and some of the ways that they've worked these rules it's like the crunchiness is is just, it's built in. So it is streamlined, but when you dissect it mentally, if you want to, you can see all the crunchiness that went into it and you're like, oh my God, okay. No, this makes perfect fucking sense and it's so much more streamlined. Wow. And like they do that time over and over and over again as I go through red rules and stuff. And and you can look up the other, you know, the handful of us out there, the streamers and GMs that do have that beta and it's like all of us agree, man. It's really cool
1: i am excited i'm excited, for, I'm excited for you i've you know? been actively avoiding um blogs and, and uh
0: all that about this uh yeah you want to see the fine when it's out you want to see what's up when I don't like spoilers I, i'm yeah. one of those guys that I just try and avoid spoilers I
1: haven't like if a if a cyberpunk 2077 video shows up I don't watch that i don't if people are talking about red and i can't if I can't get my hands on it, I, I want it to be a surprise, but everything you're saying to me makes me so excited to see red, that I can't yeah. wait to get it in my hand. Yeah, you should at least, um, uh,
0: at least go to, uh, the cyberpunk uncensored channel on YouTube and watch that panel that we just did. It's right on the front page for Alba. Absolutely. Yeah. At least watch that. Cause it's not like we get into gameplay. I know you don't maybe want to watch our gameplay and things like that and like little spoilers and try to figure it out. It's, you know, I get that. Um, I'm the opposite. However, when I didn't have the beta rules, I was still watching the other ones that did and trying to yank out any info I could just because I'm obsessed like that. But at least watch that panel because if you like some of the things that I've said and it gets you excited and that, oh, yeah. that's why I'm excited, um, watch that panel, man. You'll, you'll hear some of the things like James Hutt talks about. You know, He's the mayor of Town. He explains why some of the rules are the way they are. He talks about some of the net running stuff. And I don't know, It's re- it's, it's really cool. I think you'll be excited about it because... Um, you know, you're obviously like me. You don't want to just get a rule in the end result. You you want to understand why it is the way it is. And if it's not making sense, you're going to you might homebrew and try to improve things for yourself and things like that. And I think those details um, are in this. And I think you're going to appreciate that. You're going to like it.
1: That's awesome. That's my prediction. Yeah, anyways. I'm, I'm we'll see. So and if I'm wrong, I'm excited.
0: wrong. But that's my prediction. <laughs> Looking forward to it so badly. Yeah. <laughs> and I will check that out uh, probably tonight yeah definitely definitely check it out no, um, no spoilers you know what i mean just good hype and stuff <clears throat> I, I like hype yeah so yeah any anything else that we didn't go over as far as the armor versus arms race or anything data fortress website related um, any, anything Derek related anything that we didn't go over that we should go mention i'm i'm pretty
1: horrible about self-promotion uh i will say that uh, I will reiterate again. If you're having problems with anything your players are doing, be it arms race or be it lack of attention, um, if they're messing around on Facebook, whatever, just just talk to them. Um, most of the time, it's it's going to be an easy fix. It's you know a matter of hooking them into the story that you're selling, um, and or it's a matter of you getting on the same page with them about where they see their character going. Um, even, with the, even with the arms race thing That's generally what it comes down to uh, If you can express to them That this game is not about You know Just needlessly acquiring crap This game is about building a better life For your character uh, Beyond you know Just taking out the next target uh, You'll have a better game experience um, Richer NPCs Make a world of difference uh i know that sounds common sense but you know some people don't put really any thought into their npcs at all um so the players just have no problem if they die they're not connected they don't ever make your players feel connected to the world and they'll want to survive longer they'll want to experience more of that world yeah jesus that sounds
0: pretentious That's, that's well put though no i think it's it's It always kind of sounds pretentious when, when you come up with like a great summary of a great point and it's, and I don't think you should uh, discredit it or take anything from it just because it sounds like that, because the fact is, is that is so true. You know what I mean? And like, it makes sense. and It's a great point to be made. Um, And especially, and not just with the, you know, and I can say that and I've been into it for a long time, but you know, Think about new GMs. You know, think about when you first got started. Oh yeah, no. I would have killed Oh my god. Yeah, imagine somebody you had. take me under their wing and like tell me right. these things. Exactly. That's my point is like, uh, man. Like that's... I said, I went
1: through every shitty mistake a GM can make and yeah. Uh I don't know. It uh it took me a long time to get to the point where I was confident enough to say, you know, these things will help your game, these things won't. Um, I, I definitely believe that Listen Up You Primitive Screwheads is must-read material for anyone who's ever thought about running a game. It's up there with uh, On Gaming and How to GM, you know, the, the books by uh, Kenneth Hitt and uh, what's-his-face, his buddy. Um, oh, Lord. Uh, I I can't think of his name at the moment I I apologize and see when we
0: end this episode it'll pop in your head you'll be like god damn it <laughs> oh my god it'll i'll be it'll be 10 minutes later i'll be in the shower and i'll just be like no exactly <laughs> that's funny um but yeah no i think it uh, definitely anybody uh anybody in any role playing game can benefit from you know listen up primitive screwheads mike's book that you know but especially cyberpunk any cyberpunk gms out there you know, give that a read. Check that out. It's old school, but it doesn't matter what version you're playing. Like I said, it, it honestly wouldn't even matter what role-playing game you're playing. There's some great general uh, tips about like you know motivation, and plot Laws. creation and all kinds of stuff. Well, what did you say? Sorry, I missed that. Robin Laws. Yeah, yeah, his books. Okay, Robin Laws, Ken and Kenneth hits Robin
1: Laws uh, on gaming, and Kenneth Hitts uh, suppressed transmission books. And listen up, you primitive screwheads, are the most important books you can read for learning how to GM. I hate to interject like that, but it was going to drive
0: me nuts. No, 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 I'm glad you they did. Are, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, they are as important to learning how to run a game as Stephen King's book on writing yeah. was, is for people who are starting to write. Um, which is also, you know, it doesn't hurt if a GM reads that either. Right. Uh but the I only have one criticism for uh listen up you primitive screwheads, and that's the dirty tricks section. Not because it's not, you know, funny or informative, but because it kind of uh uh new GMs take a look at that and it kind of promotes the idea of an adversarial GM and like right. acting in a kind of passive aggressive manner towards your players. When really it is just for, you know, absolute the worst troublemaking gamers on the planet. And it was written at a time where that was prevalent and where people hadn't really glommed on to the idea that bad game, that no gaming is is better than bad gaming. Right. So take, take that section of it with, with a grain of salt. Um, it's, it's got some good
0: ideas. I I always think that 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 section to me, it's, you know, it's a last resort. Just like we said earlier about kind of when you have to railroad the situation to bring it back to balance to me, like don't ignore it, but just like you said, take it with a grain of salt. Keep in mind, like that's a last resort. Try to be more tactful. Use some of the other hints, tips, and experience points and and things we mentioned in this, this podcast to try to, you know, direct it and bring it back to balance. But by all means, like you said, if you're dealing with that those jerk players or someone its just not working and you just don't want to end the game or start over and you just want to kind of, I don't know, hit reset or something, by all means, like, you know, drop some dirty tricks in there and knock them down, you know, a couple levels if you yeah, have to. Yeah, ram down <laughs> a couple of pegs. And you should never have to yeah. do it to them again.
1: Yeah, If you do, it's time to take the talk outside of the game and be all like, man, you're a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, why do I have to do this every game? Like, what the hell, guys? Come on. But I think that's... For- I, have but- to, I have to... I, I did have to throw out that disclaimer because yeah.
1: it is otherwise the most brilliant book on gaming I've ever read.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think just let me, uh, you know, reiterate your tip that you said earlier, because that comes into play and we kind of just mentioned it again. Uh, you know, any GMs don't be scared. Just talk, talk to the player, not the character step out of the game after the, the session is over and con- confront it there, you know, and that that's where you can be like, guys, like I'm, I'm throwing dirty tricks at you now. The game's not fun. Like, we're up to this level. Like, you guys just won't stop with the weapons and armor and the murder hoboing and just the craziness. And, like, let's tone it down a bit. You know, have the talk and make the game fun again. You know, it, it, it should be established in your session zero, and you should know who you're playing with. And, you know, you should be GM and, you know, kind of knowing what you're doing. But, like we said, everyone, everyone has to start somewhere. And new GMs are going to run into this problem, I'm sure, at least once or in a, at least to a certain degree. And that's where these tips yeah. can come in to help. But, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, don't forget, people, you can always open up the, the lines of communication with your players to help uh, solve uh, any problem for the most part within the game, you know? Shit, and maybe your players do just want to be murder hobos. <laughs> that's you true, go too. Go with that.
1: <laughs> that's um, true, It too. might not be the game you want to run, but it might be the game that they want to play. And, you know, if that's what it is, that's what it is.
0: At that point, you as a GM need to
1: decide which direction you want to go with that.
0: Yeah, and a hint to that would be if like all all of your players have come to the table with a solo, you might kind of expect that there's gonna be yeah. a lot of <laughs> a lot of combat and rowdiness going on with a team like that. But yeah, yeah, totally. Like you never know. Maybe that's what the players are going for. Maybe they wanna just have like a crazy uh, campaign where it's just, yeah, we're just going to go balls to the wall and see how quick we can get cyber psychosis and become a problem to the NCPD. And like, you know what I mean? Like maybe they just want to go nuts, you know, I don't know. 100%,
1: yeah.
0: 100%. But yeah, I think we, we um, covered, uh, everything, uh, you know, if there's any type of, of, of additions that we're going to come up with to this, I'll probably just do another episode. Because to be honest, man, I loved having you as a guest. I'd love to have you again. We oh, can, I love being here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We can, we this probably, has been a great honor. We can drop into a bunch of different subjects over time, I'm sure, you know? Um, but yeah, anybody listening, give us a like, give a share, uh, show some support. Um, aside from uh, checking out Cyberpunk Uncensored on social media and the com, go check out Data Fortress 2020 dot uh, com and if you you know if you haven't already I'm sure you you already know but any new people go check it out see what we were talking about uh, show some love hopefully Derek will get back into some more updates and and give the 2020 community uh, some more shit to enjoy I know they would appreciate it but if not it still holds a special place in all of our hearts because it is part of that 2020 history uh, and don't downplay that shit Derek start being a little bit more proud of that <laughs>
1: thank you so much I, I know oh, you're humble oh but fuck
0: that dude it's really cool um but yeah but yeah so thanks again for joining me we'll do it again anybody listening thank you so much man take care and take care everybody listening you too uh
1: thank you so much it's been an honor